Welcome back, everyone, to the Mind, Heart, Muscle podcast. I'm Matt Gallo, joined by my co-host, Ron White, and our guest today, Dr. Ray Gorman. Ray is a physical therapist who has spent the recent years of his career leading countless coaches to the watering hole of creating lasting impact and shown them all how to drink from it and share it with others. Ray has worked to create an education system for coaches to be able to help athletes and everyday people get out of pain, improve performance, and feel good. I was first introduced to Ray at a seminar I attended where I got to learn firsthand just how knowledgeable he is and how compassionate he is as a coach. Ray draws on his experience as a physical therapist where he's worked in the typical day-to-day clinic and in Division I sports. And this is where, over time, he began to understand that to feel true and present fulfillment, it was time to grow. He scaled his impact by helping people who help people. In this conversation, he brings an enlightening discussion around health, ego, and performance in the gym. He shares his insights based on working with countless one-on-one clients over the years about how to effectively communicate the importance of understanding where you're at and what your goals are and what your why is. Ray has an incredible way of communicating information that you'll definitely hear and feel in this episode. And a lot of that information we were taught was only accessible to MDs, doctoral candidates, and physical therapists. And the way that he's able to relate it and empower coaches and athletes gave him a unique position to be able to impact lives and create careers for coaches. As we were preparing for this episode, I was thinking a lot about what that impact has been. Simply by educating coaches who stepped up and educating leaders in the fitness industry to create change, Ray has had some serious impact on our lives and a lot of people that that we know and I'm sure so many more. Ray is a true leader and we are happy to have him here on the show. Make sure you stick around for the whole episode. Ray drops some great info and truth bombs all the way to the end. Matter. <laughs> yeah. I mean, or we can just laugh and we, we, we could just laugh see, our way into awkwardly we, into a conversation. I mean, that's that's the best way that these things start, anyways. You know, uh, what's that's, up? When I listen to uh, when I listen to like a Joe Rogan episode, it usually starts. They're probably 40, 40 minutes into a conversation and at least three cocktails, and they and they're like <laughs> they're just laughing about something, and I'm like, what did I miss? I, there's there's something I that's that's uh like an well, inside joke. It's uh it's your guys' process. I didn't want to hijack. So. Yeah, Feel we, free. We like to have we like to have fun. That's all. Absolutely. It's always good. Yeah, Ray Ray Gorman, Doctor Ray Gorman. Thanks yes. thanks for joining us. Yeah, good to chat with you guys. Yeah, man. Um, health, 
ego performance. We were just chatting about that. Yes. Um, so yes, mind, heart, muscle podcast. That really makes sense with the health ego and the performance because, you know, it's things that we we've been emphasizing and focusing on for the last, uh, two years with this, with this podcast. And, and the fact that you brought that up was really intriguing, exciting to me because we, we have a ton we can talk about. Um, and when you say, when you, let's specifically, let's start here. When you say ego, what, what are you talking about in regards to ego? When, you know, kind of tying those things together and, and bringing all three of them into play is, is really getting people to understand the why behind decision-making um, and you have the why behind everything in life, right? But in this case, we're kind of talking about in the gym and the parallel, the universe that that brings us. So when we talk about ego, it's, it's what's the reason you're doing the thing that you do. And there are, having an ego isn't a bad thing. And I think that's, that's also um, a really important thing to bring up is we all have egos and, and we all need to stroke them at times. Um, but when your intent of why you do something is your ego, you have to understand what you're sacrificing to do so. So an example is, um, well, I want to have the biggest back squat in the gym. Okay, well, what does having the biggest back squat in the gym afford you? If the only thing it affords you is to be known as the person with the biggest back squat in the gym, the reason why you're doing it is for your ego. So I think that will kind of just give mm -hmm. a good background of, of the ego part of it. And as we tie into everything else. So the... So when, when people identify that why, that reason, um, if I'm understanding correctly, you're, the, the idea here is that um, it's okay. Like, it's okay if you're doing something for your ego, as long as you're, um, you're understanding of that or you're, you're aligning yourself like with that, you're not being disingenuous or lacking integrity in some way, like saying, yeah, I'm, I'm back squatting so I can uh, be healthy. And I want the heaviest back right. squat because it's like a pillar of health. But in reality, it's like, no, I just want to, I just want to pat myself on the back and, and look good on Instagram. Yes. And it's also understanding that everything has a cost. Mm. Everything. Every decision, every why has a cost. So are you willing to pay the toll to get the biggest back squat in the gym? You know, I, I made a post yesterday and this is a little tangential, but um, your environment changes, your goals change. Mm -hmm. So we often have clients that come into the gym or come into the clinic and they're like, man, I used to do blank. I used to lift X amount of pounds. And it's like, well, what were you investing back then? You were investing three hours in the gym. You didn't have any kids. Now you've got your third kid on the way. You've got a full-time job. You know, like, do you want to be spending three hours in the gym to get back to that old number? Those, everything has a cost. 
you also have to be willing to acknowledge the things that you've gone through. You know, back when you were back squatting 500 pounds, you had a, maybe you had a happy relationship and you had uh, the ability to sleep nine hours a night and your nutrition was on point. And now you've went through a breakup and you've spent the last six months on the couch wallowing about it. And you're just stepping foot back into the gym You and you're going to expect that your numbers are going to be close to the same when you've been sedentary and sad and not sleeping and eating like shit. Like there's, there's a, a, a huge level of acceptance and acknowledgement to the things change. Yeah. Well, and, and let's just look at in the gym, right? Like if we're going to parallel this into health and performance, what were you sacrificing in those realms to have the biggest back squat? Were you avoiding building your deadlift? And so every time a deadlift comes up in a workout, you skip the gym or you perform poorly, right? That's a performance sacrifice. Um, was your knee or back hurting because of the amount of volume you were back squatting to feed your ego? That is a health sacrifice. So if you look at those three pillars of why people train or why they make decisions, the ego was the one that they were choosing. And it doesn't matter if it's intentional or not. Mm. A lot of times we need to help our clients get to the root of why they're doing what they're doing. That's our job as coaches. But if we're training for that ego, we just paid the price in opportunity cost to both health and performance. When we, um, you know, when you initially talk to someone who's starting their, um, let's say they're starting their fitness journey for the first time. They, they've got something like a, a, you know, a weight goal. They need to lose 75 pounds or, or maybe they do want to perform or they want to compete in something. Um, you, you had said something earlier that over time people's goals change. And what I, what I notice is that initial meeting, that initial like time where you're getting to know a client or a person in the gym, even if it's just a friend that says, Hey, can I work out with you? Mm -hmm. Um, you know, they're going to have all these, um, ideas of what they are supposed to be doing in the gym so that they can get the results and feel the way that those people feel who they see in the gym. Like, you know, the guy who's been crushing CrossFit for the last five years and, you know, has a six pack and, and, you know, is seemingly happy, they're going to want to do the things that that person does. So they watch that person lifting heavy weight. They watch that person, you know, trying to, you know, PR or trying to finish faster and whatever it might be. And that may be something um, that's just kind of ingrained in them because it's what they believe they need to do. And they set their goals according to that. And then as a coach um, or someone who's trying to help, I found it really important to, like you said, open their eyes to the real why, real why you're doing this. Like, like, yeah, we back squatting is important. So is, so is feeling good. Like, so is having like healthy joints. Yeah. Um, which one, which one of these things is um the most difficult, right. For, for people to understand which concept do you see people having a harder time, like grasping and understanding like that they need to, or they can focus on and still get the results that they're looking for. 
I think that you really have to bring into play the psychology of the type of person who walks through your door and how they're not all the same. Um, you know, you said something that was interesting of like, somebody wants to come to your gym to lose weight. Do they really want to lose weight or do they want to feel different? Do they really want to lose weight or do they want to be able to take their shirt off when they go to the beach? Right? Like as a coach, when somebody says I lost a hundred pounds, I think everybody's like, wow, that's great. That's really impressive. When somebody comes in and says, you know what I did for the first time in 10 years? I took my shirt off when I was at a public beach. Like the way that that hits is just insanely different. And this is just a made up story right now. And I'm smiling about it. Like mm-hmm. it does, it hits, it yeah. hits totally For sure. It, it's, it's totally true. And, and there are a lot of things of like, do you need to get strong or do you need to be consistent at strength training? Because getting strong is going to have a point of diminishing returns. Finding a routine that allows you to consistently strength train is going to be something that is sustainable. So we have to get down to like, what are the person's beliefs? Mm. How do we reshape them to create something sustainable? How do we make it so that fitness becomes a habit for them and not a fad? The most important thing, somebody who perceives themselves as unhealthy when they come to your gym can do is come back the second time, not feel a certain way from your workout, right? So it's this classic overdosing in the beginning, trying to find the ceiling of what the client can endure Mm. instead of saying, how do we establish a floor of just getting you to show up for 30 days? Because we know 30 days is kind of a good habit marker, right? How do we establish that floor of just saying, look, I know everybody says an hour workout is what you like, what you do. I think with you, it's 15 minutes of talking about what the goals are and, and what we're going to do in 15 minutes of moving just to start. Like that's where it starts. And that's how the, that's how you break somebody from the, I want to come into your, your gym to perform and really get them to say, hmm, maybe I thought I wanted to perform, but now I'm actually seeing that you're talking to me about health. And that's back to those three pillars, health, mm-hmm. ego, performance. How do, we com- how do we communicate that with the new client? That is, especially because they're coming in with these, sometimes they're coming in with these goals and they're like ready to get after it. and And, you know, Matt and I have been in the coaching game for, you know, a long time. So we're able to recognize and, and, and pump the brakes for clients and, you know, and the whole concept of having an assessment to take people through to that's huge communicating that. Yeah. What is, what is the thing that the coach, the gym owner, the, the client success manager says to that potential new client that says, Hey, I hear you. I know what you want to do. You may need to pump the brakes a little bit. Yeah. You know, where, 
a lot of people are going to have some imposter syndrome when it comes to saying those words. In your opinion, how can we more confidently make that decision for the new client? So the, the last thing that you said, I think, is where we need to flip it, right? We don't make the decision for them. Okay. We have to lead them to water and convince them to drink. If we shove their face in it, it's not going to stick, right? So you have to be on the same page of, well, what's your process of getting your client from in the door to their goal? You got to hear their story, right? You want to like every consult that I have is literally just like, Hey, like, tell me about yourself. Like, where are you from? You know, how'd you end up in this city? Um, tell me about like, do you have kids, whatever? Like, you're just trying to find some common ground that you can relate to because they need to know, like, and trust you. And they probably don't yet, right? They maybe trust your business. They maybe trust your brand because they came to you from a referral or something like that, but they don't know you yet. Then it's okay. Well now tell me what's going on. So let's just hear. And a lot of times, like people are just coming into a fitness facility and starting. Nobody's actually ever hearing their story. And this can be true in the rehab space as well. Um, then it's, let's go look at what's going on objectively. Let's take you through whatever assessment that is. Maybe if you're a physical therapist, that's an orthopedic examination. If you're a coach, that's a movement screen or a strength screen or an endurance screen, right? Maybe it's like, well, do you have good capacity, but we just need to build you up in strength. We need to create that stuff. Then we bring it all back in and we put it up on the whiteboard. And we say like, this is everything that I found. And these are the areas that I think I can help you leverage to get you to your goal. If I can get you to buy into the plan, my job has now started right? Like now it's about, okay, now we have to execute. We have to revisit. We have to refine. And I think too many times we're bringing clients in. We're allowing them to just kind of go with the flow of whatever the gym, pro you know, a lot of gyms are group fitness and like group fitness has its place. That's fine. But how does somebody fit in a group fitness class when they're just starting? And a week of ramping up isn't enough. So it's, it's all about, you know, back to that concept of finding the floor. What is the minimum amount we can give you to make sure that you keep coming back in a healthy way, not in a I'm addicted to a stimulus kind of way, but in a healthy way so that we can build your intensity. We can build your volume. We can build your skill. We can make you sustainable to training and therefore sustainable to what life is going to throw at you. I love what you said about, um, I'm still like picturing this in my head, like, you know, showing somebody where the water, water is and mm -hmm. showing them how to drink it, showing them all the benefits yeah, and then relating that to like a client's story, um, which, you know, when you start asking questions, they're going to talk about it. They're going to tell you everything. People love talking about themselves. And, and if they recognize that you actually care 
and you want to help and hey, you might actually have the tools to solve yeah. this problem that they've been trying for so long to solve, then that's how you're going to earn trust. And, and, you know, by, like you said, you know, showing somebody where the water is and, and the benefits, giving them that based on your story, based on your beliefs about yourself, like, oh, I just need to get stronger, or I need to work out more so I can lose weight, or I need to whatever, giving them an actual, uh, you know, test, like a litmus test of, like you said, like an endurance or stamina screen, or we have our movement screen, or I like to do strength testing with every client when we start, like this gives us an understanding, like, okay, so you told me, or we talked about, um, you know, where you believed you were, you needed to get, make the most improvement. It was strength. It was, it could have been consistency. Like, okay, here's the results that we found. And from what we've seen in the past with these, you know, these tests, we can actually work on this, this, and this, and you'll actually see better results. How does that sound? Right. And that starts to open up that, that portal, that portal yeah. of trust between you exactly. and a client where they're like, oh, well, I guess I should listen to you. <laughs> you seem like you know what you're talking about. Yeah, you, you have, you've laid out stepping stones to get to their goal. Most people can't see that, right? Most, most clients who, you know, are a layman in, in the fitness world, like, and I don't mean that in a, in a bad way, just like, how mm -hmm. do I get fit? They're on YouTube searching, like they're, they're searching for something, but the thing that's missing is what are the steps to get me there? It's mm -hmm. consistency, it's adjustment, it's making decisions when you know, you're feeling a little irritated to not push through. That's the job of the coach. And the ultimate job is equipping somebody with the skills to make those decisions for themselves as they go on, right? Like I, it always, it always like ate at me when somebody was like, well, I need to pay you for accountability. Mm. And I'm like, shit, then I've failed. I haven't taught you how to be accountable. And like, that is, that is a skill that needs to be developed of like, well, what if I'm not going to be your coach forever? You know, like I'll always be there as a resource for you, but how can I teach you that your health is your priority? And how can I teach you that the things that you're doing in the gym are affecting your health and getting you to buy into those things? And if we go back to that health versus performance, there are going to be people that say, well, I don't want to sacrifice my volume. Okay. So what you're saying is you're willing to endure the knee pain that you have, because I think volume is part of your problem so that you can maintain your volume. If the answer to that is yes, you've sacrificed your health and you've chosen performance. Like all this stuff keeps tying back in. When you've sacrificed your health and you've chosen performance. And sometimes I've, I've seen, or I've noticed when, when people acknowledge that 
it actually helps them improve on the health side or the performance side. Yeah. When they recognize or they start to identify more with what's in line with their, their true like reason for being there, like people in the gym, you know, I, I, I have a CrossFit gym and I, we have people all the time who love showing up on heavy days and going hard. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they'll ease back on the Metcons or they'll skip the days where we're doing unilateral work. <laughs> and, um, and that's cool if they know what they're getting themselves into and they'll complain Well, they'll talk about their knee pain or they'll talk about that shoulder. And then when we have that conversation, it's like, you know, like you're doing these things. And I, I, I truly believe that that's what could be causing, um, you know, that issue you've been having for so long. No, it's just my age. No, it's just who I am. It's just mm-hmm. this time. It just happens over time. Everybody deals with this. Like that could be true. Absolutely. Um, and there's this level of like acceptance or even attachment to the thing attachment to the pain. Cause they feel it like it's a, it's a badge of honor that they wear. Yeah. Well, we, we will lie to ourselves to convince ourselves that it's not us. Mm. Right. Like that's, that's part of the mental side of it by telling myself it's just my age and not my actions. Well, I can't change my age. Can I change my actions? What you're really saying is I'm not willing to change my actions. And and sometimes when I have a difficult client, I'll be like, look, just say that out loud. You know, kind of like you said, Mm -hmm. like, just say it out loud, say you're not willing to change your actions and I'm okay with it. Like I'm not here to judge you. I, I am not here to judge you. I'm here to help you make the decision. But if you're not willing to say it, then you believe that there might be some truth in it and the truth can hurt, right? And then it kind of, it's kind of this like serious but lighthearted moment between the two of us where it's like, this guy's calling me out. <laughs> you know, like, this guy's calling me out. Well, Ray, if I had you on the other side telling me that with that big smile of yours, I'd be like, uh, I gotta say it now. <laughs> like, it's like, it's just, look, just admit it. He's right. And, and then it's, and then it's, but then it's okay. Because then at least I know that I can't help you, right? Like I can't help you with all of the corrective work in the world, with all of the soft tissue work in the world, if your problem is volume. And so as a provider or a coach, I want to be able to tell you that and say like, look, I totally get that you don't want to sacrifice these things. Um, I'm not really willing to put my reputation on the line and, and honestly give you an experience that's going to be bad for you and me um, when you're not bought into the plan yet. Like I haven't, and again, this isn't me having to convince you. This is you having to now convince yourself because we've already gotten to the point where you've made the decision that you know what the issue is. It goes back to the, um, it goes back to that initial you know, we have consultations with new clients or really the initial first time, first step into the gym. What do I want? What are my goals? And that clarity around what it is that's important. And we spend so much time now and, you know, Ron and I 
started doing this, this workshop and it culminates with this, like with a goal setting process that helps people get like clear. And I mean, like, okay, I know exactly what I need to do when I need to do it, how, and what's the first step, like that kind of clarity. And a lot of people, they, they, they miss that process. Maybe they'll write down in their phone. I want to do, you know, my first marathon, or I want to do a CrossFit competition. And that's a perceived goal without ever diving into it. So then they, like we talked about before, they go on YouTube, they start searching Instagram and they find resources and, mm-hmm. and they're, they're behind. They're not educated on the how, the what, the why, and they're not exactly sure why they're there in the first place. So I've seen, you know, we see it all the time, like people coming to a CrossFit gym where we keep referencing CrossFit, but this happens all over. Sure. Like I had, you know, people in a, taking a spin class for two years straight and wondering why they're not, their legs aren't getting stronger. Like, well, let's, there's some, there's a disconnect. Um, There was one thing you had said before about that type of person who's less inclined, less educated, right? The layman person when it comes to fitness. And I've, you know, I've felt that. and, And we talk about the, this, Ron and I talk about this a lot, the white belt mentality. When I started training in jujitsu, that was exactly me. I was like, how do I get better at this? What do I do? So I looked up every resource and went on YouTube and started talking to people and, and just asked questions and did what I thought was right and started doing what I thought was right. Even though I was a white belt, I had no business trying things that I was trying or doing certain things. I just wanted to see what was possible. And, and as a coach, and I'm sure you've experienced this too, Ray, it's like after, after a while you forget what it feels like to be, to be so new and so eager to experience and to grow and, and a good question you know, a good question we could talk, we can expand on is, you know, how to, how to get behind the psychology of that person and help them make the decisions and understand that purpose and get clear. How can, how can we start to look into people's um, behavior and their decision-making? How can we help them understand the why? We need to get them to understand that they are identifying as a person who does X, Y, and Z. I, I, I am a person who does three workouts a day. I am a person who trains heavy every day. It's, it's how they identify themselves. And then we can undercut that and say, hey, this isn't doing you any favors right now. This is actually making things worse. If this is who you want to be, you need to step back. Like if this is who you want to continue to be, you need to understand right now that you are getting broken. And I'm not saying that you have to end this completely. Professionally, I'm looking at you and I'm going to tell you, hey, you need to slow down. You need to do some things that are very specific to make you better 
from a health standpoint, because you have spent all this time sacrificing your health, chasing performance and feeding your ego. And now if that's what you want to continue to do, that's awesome. Let's back off for a hot minute and get you back to a point where you can do that and make progress again. The, the only, the only thing I want to add on that is, or you explain to them the risks of continuing to do what they're doing and understand that you have done your job as the coach because they are not ready to make that change yet, right? The biggest thing there is that person has to be ready to make that change. A CrossFit athlete in their prime we can go blue in the face telling them about their joint health and all of these things. But like, they just need to know, dude, this is something you can train through and this might be the outcome of it. But if you want to get it better, which there could be benefits both ways, depends on where you are in the season. If you want to make it better, this is the plan but the plan has sacrifice. So does, so does pushing through. And the way that we get people to realize, realize this is really boiled down into two things, awareness and reflection. Awareness of what is going on, what can be done to resolve it, what happens from a risk profile if we choose not to resolve it. And remember, we need to be okay with that if the person is not ready to buy what we're selling. We're selling a change in behavior. They may not be ready to buy it. And then they need to reflect on it. What's really important to me? Depends, right? If it's the last game of, if it's the last event of the CrossFit games and it's like, dude, I, I think that there's a 20% chance that you're going to need surgery if you go through this event. They might be like, okay, I'm, <laughs> like I'm willing to risk that. Yeah. Like I get it. Like, but again, the risk reward profile is, is different there. If it's somebody in your gym where it's like, hey, um, like this is just a workout of the day. The, the risk reward isn't there. So the context matters. So then having and teaching a, a process for that is really valuable of weighing risk versus reward decision-making. Yeah. Is there a specific way that you would do that? I Just honestly, just the way that we talk about right now, like usually, you know, this topic comes up a lot when we're talking about return to sport. Mm -hmm. Um especially in like professional, I, I like to use professional athletics as the example. If it's game seven of the world series and you're returning somebody to play, everybody knows what that means. Mostly, you know, most of the world understands the weight of game seven of the world series, even if you're not a baseball fan. Um, so getting them to say now, now, if you were just, if your world series was like 
doing a, a workout, whatever that modality is, Peloton, CrossFit, running, there's not millions of dollars on the line. There's not the entire world watching. So the risk reward for you there is, is you know, it's, it's different. And we can pull back from that. And I think a lot of people are scared that they're going to lose the progress that they've gained. And this is also really important. And our job as coaches now comes in and saying, what about the progress you can't make? Mm. The and cost, that's that, yeah. That's that reflection. And, you know, like there are just so many parallels of, of why people do things and, and what they're really doing. And it's, it's really asking the question of, you know, like, what are you, what are you afraid of? Like, what scares you about this process? I'm fearful it won't work. Okay, well, what if it does? Are you actually scared that you'll lose some of your identity attached to always being the person with knee pain in the gym? I've worked with people who, you know, in reality, it was like, I don't know if they want to get better. That happens. It's, it's an interesting phenomenon, but like it becomes part of your identity. Um, and you start to see progress like real objective progress, subjective progress. And then another issue pops up for them. That's like not really related to it. Maybe it's something, a communication issue. Maybe it's external that gets in the way of their rehab process. And, you know, you start to pick up on those patterns of like, what, what are you, what are you really running away from here? So there are just, there are so many ties back into the psychology of why people are doing what they're doing. And, you know, if we're going to really boil this down to like, how do you make it, how do you make it sustainable? I think that's like, that's the formula everyone's looking for. And it's going to, it's going to differ with the type of person you have coming in your door. So it really does happen where you put your, you, you fill your cup, you fill up one cup and you're going to sacrifice the others Potentially. And, and the, and the formula, like you had mentioned is the awareness, the ex and accepting and acknowledgement of, you know, of what you are of, of that sacrifice. That's, that's part of it. Yeah. Right. That's the, that is the self reflective part. Right. But then there's also the tactical part. What's the dose? What's the dose of fitness we give to the person? What is, what's the dose of fitness we give to the person who um, it's their first time ever stepping foot in the gym versus the dose of the person who has a 10 year history of coming to the gym, but hasn't been in two years versus the person who has been coming to the gym but now is changing the way that they train. Those are three different dose profiles. Three of you know? countless. Three of <laughs> in, three yeah. of infinite. infinite. Yeah. Right. Because you're going to have all these. And like, that's just the way I look at it. Like I, I explain it to people that I work with, of, you know, you need to think like a chemist and that's why mm. I intentionally use the word formula. 
everybody is an experiment, including yourself. Mm-hmm. And I think the best person to test on is yourself, right? But everything is an, is an experiment. It's okay, well, let me give a little bit more dose of volume. Oh, you didn't respond well to the volume. Okay, let me, instead of giving you more reps, give you more sets. The volume profile is the same. The way that we got there is different. Those things really separate a tier of coaching because it's the difference of helping somebody find a sustainable training habit and somebody who is, you know, tunnel visioned into just linear progression, just go, go, go follow these steps and you'll get there or follow this template. You know, you got to have a little bit of guidance there. And there's uh, a focus on, on outcome and results. And this is on the coach's side. You know, we have our, we have our pillars and we can sacrifice things as coaches. Like if, if we, focus on our own ego when we program for a client or help someone come up with a plan and say like, Oh no, this works. Trust me. Yeah. Like that's an, that's an ego thing. And yes, it might work. And there are coaches who do that and do it well. And it's because they find very specific clients like um, Louis Simmons has his very specific way of programming for clients. And then the people who come in, to train with him know for a fact what they're getting into. They know exactly what kind of volume they're gonna be doing and what the um, hierarchy is going to be. And it's gonna be performance, ego, health versus you know another coach you might work with who might prioritize health. So we have our own, um, our own pillars. Do you see parallels? Um, or what parallels do you see in, in coaches actually delivering this to clients um, in that way? I think it all comes down to how do you fit it into your system, right? Like what's, and you know, I, I would say that most people going to a Louis Simmons type program are, are looking for some sort of performance gains. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's fine. How do you then balance that into, okay, well, are they looking for performance that balances out the rest of their programming? And are they going to make decisions, right? It doesn't mean that you can't still improve performance. It just means that performance sacrifices. So if we look at, if we train for health, that doesn't mean we lose all performance. It just means we don't squeeze the most out of the the performance bucket, right? We still sacrifice ego. We probably sacrifice ego the most when we train for health. And that's okay. We still do things that stroke our ego. We still push on the movements that are skill-based that we're good at. Like that's okay. But we do them because we have the capacity to do so. Correlation, I'm, I'm, coming up with in my head and for for those people listening who have uh, been through a CrossFit level one is, you know, those 10 general physical skills and how they reference fitness as a compromise when we start to train um, only for strength. Yes, we will sacrifice 
our speed and we'll sacrifice our endurance and vice versa or training. You know, you're the most flexible person you're, you're going to have is yeah. less strength, except right. When the, when they start to look at the CrossFit athlete um, who, you know, chips away at each one of these in some way. And when they recognize that they're at a point of diminishing return, okay, now it's time to move onward to something else. So you might lose 10% of that. Like I stopped going for a one rep max deadlift years ago because mm -hmm. I hit a great number that I'm happy with. And to me, you know, if I can hit 10, 90%, 80% of that on any given day, that's awesome. And because you're still making progress toward other things physiologically, you're going to maintain that level, right? You're going to maintain that. And this, I'm seeing the same thing here is, Absolutely. you know, if you're at this, you improve your health and you focus on, you know, building bulletproof joints and you're balanced and you, you can do all these amazing things and you have great mobility, et cetera, you're going to be able to perform really well. And then when you start to aim at performance, because you're already at this higher level of on, on the health side, you have this buffer against injury, chronic disease, et cetera. When you focus on your ego, it's like, okay, I, I can, I can step into the ring for a minute and show you kids how it's done. Like that kind of thing, yes. which is like me once a year when there's a snatch workout in the open, right? right. but every other workout, I'm like, all right, I'm going to scale this one. Cause it, yeah. you know, cause it feels good. I, that is a, that is exactly it. It's the parallel of, of getting, and that's how you get people to buy into this stuff. You get them to understand it in a way that is digestible for what they know. And then you say, it's the same thing over here. We've got these three pillars, these three buckets. And the more we prioritize one, we've got to pull from the other two. And that doesn't mean that they don't all exist at the same time, but which one is the driving force? If you're training mm. for ego, you are absolutely sacrificing performance and health. If you're training for performance, you are sacrificing ego because you are going to get crushed by something. You have to. And you're definitely sacrificing health. You're going to have to train through discomfort. That's part of it. It's a non-sustainable volume. Nobody in the world thinks high-level athlete training volume is sustainable. It's not. You see the cliff. If you're training for health, you sacrifice both performance and ego, especially ego. But now you have the most sustainable training program. So the, the, the takeaway here is not to make a decision based on any of those. But just to help people understand, why are you doing the things that you're doing? You're saying one thing, you're saying you want to get healthy, you're doing another. Let's peel back the layers and really get you to reflect, right? Well, first become aware, mm -hmm. then reflect, and then at least you can make an informed decision what's best for you um, in your current environment. 
this this ties in to a lot of um you know earlier episodes that we did were all about values all about um you know what traits what what are great um characteristics of being a good human um and as you describe that it's the closer you get to that the closer you get to understanding your why purpose your reason for doing things you are more in integrity with yourself and then you'll feel better you'll feel more energized fulfilled happy um it's it's better for your mental health feel less stressed because you're you're not looking at yourself so critically as to like, why, why can't I do this? Why am I struggling so hard? It's like, okay, well, this, this is what's important to me. And yep. this is how, and, and, and that, that connection between, you know, the it's, it's, it's really like mastery of self and understanding like what's, what it overall is important to you. Like is, is having integrity important to you? And does this add value to your life? And then, you know, we can bring this back into the gym or, you know, outside of the gym, you know, it's, there's parallels between what's going on in the gym and, you know, what you're demonstrating and then what you're actually talking about to what's happening at home or what's happening in your career or in other parts of your life, or what's, if you're, you know, in charge of something at work, like that, that might break, branch out to, to things that are occurring under you. Absolutely. So the, and if, and, you know, I, I am a firm believer that what you can do in the gym, like you, you can learn a lot about life under the barbell or, you know, just in a, in a single workout, as long as you are getting closer to that, that purpose and that why. And man, I've said this so many times, like I've, I've had clients or consults with clients where after some questioning and, and chatting and getting to know them, you might start to realize like, you know, I think uh, therapy might be a better fit for you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, look, yeah, I, I make that recommendation to people all the time mm -hmm. um, because I don't think I think people need help and guidance figuring out a little bit more about themselves. Um, and, you know, I mean, we could go into a whole nother episode of like what addiction and exercise have in common. Um, and mm. when you start to really understand these things heavily, it's, it's like keeping somebody healthy in the gym maybe keeping them from their vice that they've given up and having a, a professional therapist in your corner to help them navigate those things. You know, like I said, that's a whole nother topic of mm -hmm. conversation, but like, that's super important of, look, you may have traded one vice for another and I will be way happier with you being addicted to exercise than, you know, drugs or alcohol. But now the risk is higher if you can't access that outlet. Which is what we saw happen during COVID and everything shutting down. Yeah. The, the, mm. levels of, the levels of relapse uh, yeah. skyrocketed. The levels of suicide skyrocketed because people 
humans, it's a it's a natural nervous system response to to continuously do things that make us feel good, whether it is uh, exercise, sex, uh, drugs, alcohol. It's it is totally understandable that people become dependent on things. And when you take things away, access, um, access becomes less than prime example was the road that I shortly walked down in the terms of hard drugs. When I was a teenager, it was because my access to marijuana at the time had gotten taken away. Mm -hmm. I, the thing that I was doing and enjoying disappeared. So I tried other things that were harder. So when we, when we lose that ability, that's what you said. It's, it's a dangerous road to travel, you know? Yeah. It's great. You're, you're running fantastic. You're not doing heroin anymore. Right. What happens when you get hurt? Yes. Oh, you're joined a gym. You're not snorting cocaine anymore. What we did see when- a good, we did see this in a good way though, during COVID when people, you know, they couldn't go to a gym. So they started running instead. True. Or they bought a Peloton Peloton. Yeah. or they right. started it's- doing yoga on YouTube. And those were the people who had developed that behavior over time of like exercise as their outlet and their old, you know, other addictions are long gone. And, and I see like either what, what you're saying either way is, you know, once something is taken away from us, like we start to look around, we, we open up the eyes a little bit and we start to see, okay, well, what else is going to make me feel that? How am I going to feel that thing? What's going to happen when this is gone though? What's going to happen when everything is over? And there's a, there's like this, we, this is existential. We can go deep, but there's, <laughs> there's this real self-awareness of like, are we relying on a thing for, to get the, the outcome we want to rely are we relying on exercise or sex or the drugs or are we um simply experiencing and you know are we um learning to uh learning to create this feeling within ourselves no matter what we're doing and there's a lot of ways we can dive into that or um expand on on how but what's interesting is when, when we take things away from people, they have this attachment and they miss it so much. Like when someone can no longer back squat for a while because of hip or back pain, or when, when they, you know, when people get uh, surgery on something like a shoulder surgery, and now they're out completely, they can't press, they can only do certain things. There's this level of frustration and they feel like something is missing, like a piece of them is missing. You take anything away from someone and that attach that there's so much attachment to the, to the thing or the, the identity that, you know, what happens inside of them and how can we as coaches or mentors, or, you know, there's a lot of people listening to this parents, a lot of parents and, and that listen to this this podcast you know how can you be an aid to somebody when when there's an identity shift when all of a sudden the thing that you cared about so much for so long is no longer there or is is gone 
I think the, the biggest thing there is understanding your scope of how deep you can help somebody. Um, and, you know, one of the places where I feel like people fall off is they seek help, but they don't get the right help. And so um, it's not an easy topic to bring up as far as somebody seeing a therapist or a mental health professional, because it, there is still a stigma attached to it. Um, and the way that I have found the most success positioning it has really just been, you know, have you ever thought about talking to somebody professionally about this? Because that opens the door to being like, well, what does that mean? And they might say, yes, I have. And now you have an easy in to the conversation of cool. Well, tell me about why you didn't. What was the barrier that, that, you know, held you up a little bit. And if they said no, now you have another in that says, you know, in my opinion, it might be something that's beneficial for you. And if you don't know where to start, I can help refer you to blank because we have our network of people as coaches, as physical therapists, chiropractors, whatever realm you're in, you have your network of people or you have, or you at least know where they, where they aggregate, right? You know, where you can go to find somebody, you know, what, what person in your network you can get a referral from. So, you know, that's, that's really, I think one of the ways that like, we have to just be comfortable asking things that seem uncomfortable because ultimately that's, that's what we do for our clients. We got to get them to the right person for mm -hmm. the right problem. That's the, that's that next level of coaching. And when you can do that, well, you know, like you said, understand your scope in a lot of ways, like recognize what you can help with and what other people can help with better. That's really, um, it's really valuable. And, and, you know, we learned this probably from you, Ray, is, is figuring out whether or not someone fits in within yeah. our scope of practice first before doing anything. And it's become really helpful in saying that, like, I'll do a consultation or an assessment and I'll tell someone ahead of time, like, you know, I'm going to be looking for certain things and depending on what I find, that'll help me understand how I can best help you. And if I can't, I'm going to refer you to someone who can. And that click, that, that instruction and that like confidence in how you speak as a coach really goes, a, goes far in earning trust with somebody. And we've been building out, um, you know, we've been work working on um, our leadership workshop and we've been working with a lot of teachers and a lot of parents, and a lot of coaches um, in our programs lately. And it's, it's, it's exactly the same. When, when you communicate upfront what you can do and how your, what your intentions are to help somebody or to create um create some certainty around about what's going to happen or what needs to happen, then there's more buy-in 
-hmm. there's more, it gives you a little bit of negotiating power too. When you, when you have to take it to the next step, if there's a sale involved, or if there's a time where you have to just lead, step up and take charge. Yeah. There's, there's a lot of power in mm -hmm. knowing when you're supposed to say no, right? Knowing when you're supposed to say, you know what? I could help you not as good as blank. And so I think you should work with them instead. Um, because, and I, I do think that you need to give a reason. Cause it's like, you know, the classic, like, it's not, it's not you, it's me. Yeah. It's like, because of the way that <laughs> I work, I don't think we would be a good match. Um, and so I, I, I think that there is a lot of power and something that I'm sure a lot of coaches experience in the early stage, as well as a lot of physical therapists is like, you don't know when to say no, you know, cause you're, you're putting the, the money over actually helping the person. And mm. when you get to that point, I feel like you've kind of figured out your, 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 uh, your avatar. And a lot of people don't expect that either. Sure. Um, they, you know, you go into a gym and you expect to be sold on something. Yeah. That's what the stigma is in the gym or even, or anywhere you, you expect to walk in, you know, let's say you're going to buy a mattress and the, the salesman is like, yeah, I don't think we have any mattresses. They're going to fit you best, but here you go on this website. Like that right. doesn't happen, but what right. happens with us and it's a very different experience. And, and how often do people come in who have never been told something like that? Never been told, no, I can't help you or right. some, they, they, you know, there must be some, some emotion that I don't understand that happens there. I, I want to, I want to dive into something um, Ray, that, that I've been thinking about since, since, um, since we booked this and we talked about, you know, doing a podcast together. Um, you know, I've been, I've been following you personally and, mm -hmm. you know, the work that you've done for the, definitely the last six years or so. Yeah. And seeing what you've created and then being a part of it, um, in a lot of ways and getting to meet you and, and work alongside you, um, you've impacted so many people, um, co both coaches, like people like us who want to make a difference. And then beyond that, the people that they've actually helped, like by creating what you've created and, and share all the, really all the knowledge you've shared today, like that times a hundred in detail. Um, <laughs> I appreciate that. Yeah, man. It's, the, the, we, we love impact here where that's, that's what we're looking to do is impact people. And did you know, going into your career as a physical therapist, the impact that you wanted to have on people? I honestly, no. Um, because I feel like my journey into physical therapy started a lot like most physical therapists, especially in the outpatient orthopedic realm, where it's like, uh, I knew I wanted to be in healthcare, but didn't know where med school was too much of a, a commitment for me. So um, I ended up tearing my ACL and going through the rehab process. And I was like, boom, there it is physical therapy. Mm. Um, How'd you tear your ACL, by the way? Playing soccer. So you want to talk about, <laughs> you know, psychology of injury. I was like, in the quote unquote best shape of my life 
and went from doing all these very athletic things, training for, uh, you know, a half marathon, playing tennis, like just doing like everything that Mm -hmm. I could. And I was overtrained and tore my ACL playing soccer. Um, And when I got into the clinic, you know, I, I wasn't like crazy energized by the clinic. And so I was like, oh, well, maybe it's just the, the client population that I'm working with. Uh, and then I went and worked in division one athletics and it still just kind of felt like the walls were containing me, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Like I didn't mm-hmm. want to be in the same place every day and not have this option, even though I was in a place that was like really going to foster my growth. And it was honestly, it was a good situation. Um, and then it was, you know, like, how do I scale my impact? Kind of like you said, and it was, well, if I'm working with how many clients can I work with myself, you know, 50 max. Um, but if I work with 50 coaches, who all have access to a hundred clients, like that's how I scale my impact. If I start teaching people the way that I think and the way that I process things and, and the way that I look at situations uniquely, um, can I start to spread that awareness, you know, and, and truly start to help the fitness athlete? Like that is, I want to help the person that helps the fitness athlete. Like, I know that that's my person that I want to help, whether that's they do CrossFit, they do the Peloton, they do marathons, they're powerlifters, Olympic lifters. I want to help the coach, the physical therapist, the character that helps that person. So it's been kind of this like full circle of knowing I wanted to mesh physical therapy and fitness somehow. And CrossFit was just kind of the first step of doing that. Um, but that's kind of always been where like my head has been. And, and, you know, I I think, I think recently that has become more clear to me. Um, and it's, it's encouraging hearing your words as well. So, yeah, man. And here's a, we could get into this. You said you, you wanted to mesh the fitness and the physical therapy realm. Do you, do you, do you see a place for the coach in that realm currently? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, look, I, I think I think that there are certain things that coaches are already starting, certain problems coaches are already starting to solve better than physical therapists because they understand the strength and conditioning principles that honestly we don't get a lot of in physical therapy school. So you have to have that skill set going into PT school, which I've been in the fitness realm since like 2008. So I had some of that going into school and I coached throughout PT school. So going into, you know, combining those two for me, I had the coaching skill set. I think it's, I think you can go on either end of the spectrum where you are the rehab professional that has the programming skills, or you're the coach that starts to get some of the rehab principles, but obviously you're not diagnosing, you're not doing, you know, acute post-operative care, you're doing later phase post-operative care. 
Um, and just to be fully transparent, I don't think it's a turf war at all. Like, I don't feel like coaches are coming for physical therapist jobs. I feel like if you feel that way, you probably need to do a better job. So that's just the harsh reality of, of where it will all be and, and who becomes accessible. And really the internet has made everybody accessible. Mm. So it's, you know, if the, the processes are similar, it's exercise based. The thinking is a little bit different, but you can teach somebody the thought process. The thinking and the, the, the touch points, mm-hmm. that's, what I've, that's what I've seen. And, and then it comes down to expanding your scope as a coach and increasing your knowledge base and, and learning the, the tools and the way of thinking and the communication skills that you, that a lot, you know, doctors are taught how to communicate mm-hmm. certain things to patients and coaches often are not until you came along. Yeah. <laughs> what about, and this is, you know, we, this is far off or it's, it's related. What about, um, coaches in relation to medical doctors and physicians and being able to affect things like chronic disease and metabolic syndromes and, and things like that. What, what place do you see now or in the future with, um, with a coach coach's ability to help with those problems? Um, there's a lot to digest when you start to get into, you know, chronic disease type stuff. Um, just because the ecosystem around the person that that can affect can be drastically different than, you know, the person going to the gym five days a week. That's not to say, you know, that, that it doesn't exist in that realm as well. Um, but when you look at kind of the population that chronic disease affects, sometimes fitness isn't accessible to that population. So it's this balance of, you know, how do we get these people to really have access to fitness if we truly want to make a change in that realm? Is it fitness? Yeah, is it fit is it fitness itself or is it the education that that they would need in order to understand because the further into this journey that I go I'm recognizing that and this is crazy being a gym owner but we don't need the gym the mm-hmm. the, the gym is a novelty um so fitness is as simple as going for a walk and, and to a lot of people need to start there. So is it, is it that they don't have access to fitness or is it that they don't have access to the education of, Hey, move your body in this manner for this extended period of time, eat this stuff and things are going to start to happen. Um, I think if we're talking about, you know, in, in, with the socioeconomic issues that go on, I just don't think fitness is made enough of a priority. I should say that a different way. I don't think fitness makes its way into their priorities 
because of everything else going on. So it's easy for us who, you know, honestly have a little bit more, a lot more privileged lives where we can prioritize our fitness and our health and say like, yeah, I can sacrifice an hour of my day. Um, but for somebody else, not in the same circumstances, we have to understand like that just may not be a priority for other people. Mm. They may be worrying about how am I going to put the next meal on the table? Forget about doing, you know, five rounds of 20 air squats and mm -hmm. 10 sit-ups and running 200 meters. Like I know that that is an extremely accessible workout, but part of it is does the, does the person put a heavy emphasis on that priority? And I think that if you are going to solve the problem of chronic disease, you have to really understand that lens. There's, there's definitely a spectrum of how socioeconomic status mm. affects people's view on fitness and health and just the way that they prioritize it. So then in, if, if, that, if the coach, if the fitness professional were to have any effect on that population, they would have to find a way to get to them. Get to them and, and be, be accessible mm -hmm. and infect the idea that it's a necessary change. Gotcha. And, and that's understanding at, at, you know, doing what we do and with the quote unquote privilege that we do have, which we definitely have privilege that we're only for the most part going to see a certain population yes. come in and out of our doors and interact with us on, on Instagram mm -hmm. or whatever it might be. That's just how, that's how it works. And there's already a system in place that's, that functions very well for chronic diseases, for um, these other issues that, you know, may not be outside of our scope, but outside of our realm. I, I think it's us understanding that the solution is there, mm -hmm. but the roadmap to it is much more difficult. Okay. And you're right. We do typically see clients walk through our doors that are of higher athletic profiles that are um, a little bit more affluent in nature, especially when you're talking about the price point of people coming into the gym. And I think part of it is just understanding, okay, who's the person I wanna work with? Mm -hmm. And if you do want to be a part of this bigger change, how can working with the person that you work with now be a vessel to reinvest into a program that maybe has, um, higher feeling outcome versus higher monetary outcome, right? The kind of mm -hmm. do good, give back to your community, which is you, you can use business to leverage income to then reinvest back in your community. It would have to be some mechanism like that in mm -hmm. my, in my brain, right? We all see what happens when it's like free workouts 
it's usually the friends of your friends that come in. Now right. it's the people who desperately need fitness. That's, that's just the reality. Right. Right. And, and every once in a while you get that one that squeaks in and you're like, yes, yeah, but <laughs> you're, the, you're well, the one. <laughs> well, that, that, that also comes, that goes to how you market, who you market to, For sure. you know, if you've, if you've identified where you market. that, where you market to, and there's a lot of, um, you know, there's a lot of outreach, um, type of programs that will go to lower income communities or yeah. prison communities or, um, you know, a, people who struggle with addiction, but that's, you know, when you look at it as purely a marketing branding thing, they're, they, they've identified who their ideal client is mm-hmm. and they know where to find them and, and they're going after it. And whether or not it's for profit is irrelevant. Correct. We, we do the same thing we're just, we're trying to help a certain population. Yes. And it's a, it's just a different population. You are trying to break different beliefs. Yeah. That's the only difference. So, so the fitness industry is, is growing and changing and it's, it's phenomenal to be a part of it and um, to learn all that we have, have learned. Ray, what's something that, uh, Man, how do I how do I frame this question? Because <laughs> I got a couple more, but I well, I want one. I'm gonna ask one more question. What's something you wish you could teach to the fitness industry or to the fitness professional? Oh. You wish they would just understand or comprehend. Oh, or if you could just something? teach one thing that's like valuable, what would that be? And all of us know it. Yeah, I think that it is true adaptability. Like you have to be so adaptable in every single facet. You have to be adaptable in the way that you communicate. You have to be adaptable in the way that you program. You have to be adaptable in the way that you interpret research. You have to be adaptable in the way that you go against the grain of what you may feel you know works, but research says it doesn't. Um, Because honestly, research has its limitations as well. Um, And you have to be adaptable and knowing that you're going to be wrong and you're not going to be able to help everybody. And I think that that's easy to say, hard to teach. That could make a big difference. Yeah, maybe it does. Yeah. Maybe just hearing that makes a difference. Yeah, for sure. Well, Ron, you look like you've got, you're stroking your beard and I feel (laughs) like you've got something to say. You've been I doing just, that for a while. <laughs> oh, no. Um, I, there's two things that I have left. And I just really want to point out something that Ray said that really stuck with me um, earlier on in the conversation. And it, I'm just, it's, this is just a quote from earlier on in the conversation. And it's, do you need to get stronger or do you need to consistently strength train? Like we could have an entire conversation about that in itself. 
and how important it is to be consistent, to stay patient, to play the long game. I, and it's so valuable. And I wanted that, that quote to just, to come back around and sink in. And I hope it resonates with every single person that listens to this and you can play that into anything that do you need to get better at arm bars or do you just need to consistently train jujitsu? Do you need to run a faster 5k or do you just need to consistently run? Like, do you need to go on a diet or do you just need to consistently eat higher quality foods and watch how much you're eating on a regular basis? There's it's all everything that we do revolves around consistency And then the second thing that I wanted to touch on was just how much this conversation reminded me of the juggling the glass balls analogy, where we're every single one of us is juggling some balls and the majority of them are made of glass. That means they're breakable. And that's things like relationships, family, uh, parenting, your spouse, uh, and your health, right? And then a few of them are just made of rubber. It means they can bounce back. You're your performance, your job, um, your hobbies. Those are the balls that you can drop, all right? All the other ones are made of glass. And if you drop them too many times, they're going to break and they're going to be unfixable. And that comes back to that, the health, ego, and performance where you sacrifice in one area, you'll gain in another you push to gain in one area, you have to sacrifice in another. And where you give your attention to is taking away from anywhere else you're, you want to give your attention to. And it's so important to make sure that we're coming back to why, and you understand that you're doing things for the right reasons. Absolutely. Beautiful. Where can, where can people find you Ray? And, um, yeah, where can people find you? What can, <laughs> they, what can they expect when they find you? How about that? Yes, the uh, the best place and the most active place to find me uh, is on Instagram at Ray Gorman DPT. I'm always open to interact in comments, DMs, reply to the stories. Um, you know, I, I I truly enjoy the interaction um, with people out there who want to learn. So that is definitely the best place. And I can, I can tell you firsthand, anyone that's listening, he loves to, to talk about this stuff. Yeah. And, and he knows a lot. So if you're a coach or someone who helps people and has questions about this, how you can help other people, how you can dive into the um, understanding of the psychology of how people think about these things, or if you're a client or someone who's interested in learning more about training, um, and, and increasing your performance and your health and stroking your ego a little bit, then check them out. Definitely a valuable resource um, for us over the years and uh, highly recommended. So Ray, dude, thank you so much for joining us. It's, it was awesome to see you again. Yeah, I agree. Great catching up. Yeah, man. Thanks for and having I'm gonna, me. I'm just going to take a quick second to back what Matt said, you know, taking a 13 week course where Ray facilitated 11 of those weeks uh, uh, he is a phenomenal educator. So if you want to learn from somebody, you can learn from Ray. Thank you, man. Thank you.
Maybe the next thing he'll teach is about adaptability. <laughs> If you loved this podcast, then share it. Tell all your friends. Hit the copy button, copy the link. Choose five friends in your contact list on your phone and send it out. Let them know what they can expect from it too. Because we are on a mission here to change the world and we want to help as many people as possible. So if you know anyone who can benefit from hearing what we have to say or what our guests have to say, then send it over. It's not going to do them any good if they don't hear it. Another way you can support us and support the podcast is really simply go on to Apple or go on to Spotify and rate the thing. Give us a five-star review. Write us a little note. Let us know how we're doing. Shoot us a DM on Instagram. Whatever it takes, let us know so we know that we're on the right track. And we know that we're providing content that is actually relevant to what you are needing and what you are looking for. And if it's not, hey, maybe we can help. So do your job. Thanks for listening, guys. We appreciate it.